Hello and welcome to the X-Files Revisited. I'm your host, Graham Davidson, and with me as always is Brian Lomax. Join us as we systematically work our way through the full X-Files franchise. In each episode, we will tackle a single episode of the X-Files, so join along. Watch with us as we discuss each and every detail on the X-Files Revisited. Hello and welcome back to the X-Files Revisited. This has been a, I'd say an episode that we've been longing to get to. Jose Chimes <laughs> from Outer Space, episode <clears throat> 20 from season 3. Brian, tell us a little bit how this lands in the legacy of the X-Files. I think this is generally considered a favourite when it's 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 a it's a Darren Morgan episode. That's pretty much all I need to say. I would imagine at this point, yep. um, Darren Morgan. It's got Darren Mor- Morgan dialogue. It's got Darren Morgan cleverness with the way he deals with a very specific theme. Um, yep. <clears throat> uh, pff, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what more to say than that, to be honest. That could just very well be the review of the episode. Darren Morgan. It's it's essentially code for five star. We'll get there, though. It's very bittersweet, because this is the last Darren Morgan fully scripted episode, isn't it? For a long time, yes. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, he he he, he's, he's got some more, but we, we've got a long way. <laughs> thankfully, though, thankfully, Vince Gilligan does pick up the baton from Darren Morgan very very well. Obviously, if you, the Vin, Vince Gilligan, you'll know know his name from Breaking Bad. He mm-hmm. made his break. Uh, here in the X Files with Soft Light, which we've already reviewed. Um, that was kind of his uh, testing ground, but he gets he he he, he takes off as a writer, um, kind of ta- fills the void that is left by Darren Morgan for a good while. So yeah. Good. Okay, so on to the yeah, where does this stand on the IMDb mm-hmm. rating? Yeah, shoot, no. shoot, throw throw a number at me. I would go very high, but mm-hmm. I've got a feeling that this episode isn't, um, it, although it may be well loved, it may not be loved as much as I think, so I, I'm going to lowball this and go with number 15, but I, I, I would place it much higher. Okay. Well, I don't know about much higher, but certainly X Files fans agree with you because they place it at number eleven. So, yeah, of the two hundred and seventeen episodes yeah. on IMDb, this sits at number eleven according to the IMDb fans' rating. So, yeah, this this is a no-brainer top ten episode. <clears throat> it, it's it's um it it's it's a strange one because it's like it's it. it if you ask me straight off the bat, list list your favourite Darren, like rank your Darren Morgan episodes. This is one that when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. This is really good. Um, but just in terms of Darren Morgan, not a dude's just like he's on another level. Yeah. yeah. If you ask me where to rank it in Darren Morgan's episodes, I would say <clears throat> this one, the rest. Really? Yeah. Really? I think you need to go back and watch Clyde Brookman one more time because for, for me it's Cl- yeah Clyde Brookman. Then it's very difficult to decide, but hum- Humbug and Jose Chung are fighting it out there for second place, um, and then obviously we've got War of the Coffer of Ages, but uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Okay, it'd be interesting that. yeah be interesting when we get to the end of this to do a video in which we just rank the Darren Morgan episodes so yeah sure. that, that would be that would be fun to do um okay so stay tuned for the next 10 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so episode 20 of season three Jose Chung's from outer space um we open up on a spaceship 
a little bit like the Star Wars opening. <laughs> Very shaky. <laughs> Turns out not to be a spaceship after all, but rather a roadside worker on a one of those little crane things that you stand in to fix lights and stuff. Um, but that, that pretty much sets the tone of where, where the rest of this episode is going to go. Exactly. And just quickly, I'll just say that it seems to me that Darren Morgan's scripts, everybody seems to up their game. Now, we've seen some mm -hmm. clunkers from Bowman before when he's directed, but mm. he seems to get the material and mm. from the, the initial shot. You get the tone and the playfulness <clears throat> yeah. of, of exactly what it's doing. Yeah. I, I I do feel that's all there in the script. I I feel like any direct let's I mean let's face it, all the directors that work on the X Files, are, are, at the very least, they're competent directors. They they know what they're doing. They all you know they they work like a well well oiled machine. If you, if an episode lives and dies on the script when when it comes to television. Um, it's it's like when you've got a Darren Morgan script, it, it's it. Like that alone elevates everyone. Uh, well, there was a, just... a quote from Bowman saying that he had to read the script 15 times and then have an eight hour meeting with Dan Morgan to fully understand <laughs> all the intricacies of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I I've watched this a, a number of times, and it's and it's probably this time around that I've understood it most. But as as we've often said, um, <clears throat> when we come to these. Uh, it, it, when you review them and you're going through scene by scene, it does it does often shape or reshape your opinion of them. There's there's been episodes that you know I've I've hailed as great, and then we've got into it and I've been like, oh, actually not so great. Um, and then likewise, you know, Tesso does beat us worst episode ever. And actually no, it was just it was just it was just average. Um, so yeah, um, but. Uh, so we're on, we're on this opening scene, we've got this spaceship that isn't actually a spaceship, and then we've got Chrissy and Harold who are driving. Uh, Harold declares his mad love for Chrissy, mm. and it turns out they're actually just on their first date, which is quite amusing. Uh, right there, this, this guy comes off as a bit full on. Um, <clears throat> and then we've got, uh, my notes here is literally just, how the hell should I know? Uh, that is a line of dialogue that's going to crop up yep. a couple of times throughout this episode. But uh, this, 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 the first time it is spoken is by an alien grey. So the, the, the alien greys we've become accustomed to on this show in the mythology arcs, um, the two of them, it, it appears as, as though they're going to abduct Chrissy and Harold. <clears throat> and just as they're in mid-abduction, this other bonkers-looking 50s B-movie-style alien kind of rocks up <laughs> in a red beam of light and uh, speaks English uh, and uh, yeah it, it all goes belly up from there and and one of the grey aliens is like what, what's going on and, and the other one's like how the hell should I know <laughs> and then, yeah um, <laughs> we go to credits opening credits uh, certainly one of the most bonkers openings of any X-Files I, I mean I'm, I'm watching this and I'm, this is the best two minutes of TV that I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's so in keeping with the show, but it's parading the show at the exact mm -hmm. same time. The mm. performances from Harold uh, and Chrissy are just on point, like his <clears> over-devotion. <throat> and her like, kind of looking like happily and then going like, it's only our first date. Yeah. And then <laughs> the, the absurd nature of these aliens just breaking into like uh, English but with kind of accents as well it's not it's got all the inflections you would expect and then out of nowhere Ray Harryhausen beast turns up and you're like I have no idea but I am totally <laughs> on board <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 just yeah. it's nuts absolutely nuts um I think if uh, if I didn't know what this show was, and I turned this on, I would be a bit sceptical. I'd be like, "What am I watching right now?" Uh, but it's just yeah, as you say, it, it, it is in keeping. Yeah, you've got to imagine. But it's also yeah. on TV. Yeah. Came on. Yeah. 
and and you see the the city, <clears throat> uh, Star Wars space destroyer at mm. the start, and then that doesn't happen. It's teasing you, and then it gives uh-huh. you the aliens, and you're like, yeah. "Wow, we're going to what the heck this?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's bonkers. Um, yeah, the ob- the abduct. The abductors get abducted. It's yeah. Okay, so we get past the opening credits and we 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 meet Jose Chung. Um, so this is a book writer and he's talking with Scully. He's writing a book on abduction and Mulder won't speak to him because he's not a believer. Jose Chung is not a believer. He's, he's skeptical and yet he's been chosen to write a book on the very subject of abduction and abductees. Um, it just so happens that Scully loves this guy, reads his books, um, and uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> first impressions of this guy. As a character, <laughs> yeah. amazing, um, such mm-hmm. a larger than life character, his dialogue is just so fun and he feels like an almost eccentric but as, uh-huh. as the episode progresses, he's an incredibly smart man, astute, and, and someone that can listen and pull out the, the information that he needs. But just straight off the bat, you're like, this guy's a bit odd, a bit quirky, mm. but, but I like him. Yeah. Is it, very, you remember is it, the, the first time you saw this episode, how you... I, I just thought this guy was weird and just like very, very childlike in many respects. Just, just, just because of how open he is, and very kind of, um, yeah, the, the way he takes compliments off Scully, like a, like a with puppy dog eyes and stuff. It just, it just, yeah. He, uh, Charles Nelson Riley is it? I think he plays him, but he, he he's very good, uh, and. If you if, if if you will be if, if if you miss your Darren Morgan fix for you know the the years that were going to go by, uh, check out the TV show Millennium, um, which does actually exist within the same world as the X Files. They have a crossover episode at one point. To be perfectly honest, we should be reviewing Millennium, um, but Darren Morgan writes. We will cracking Darren Morgan writes an episode i think he i can't remember he writes two but certainly one episode of millennium is written by darren morgan and jose chung is in it it takes a very similar approach in which jose chung is writing a book and the main character frank black is called in to to meet with this guy and it's just like from what i remember it's the opposite of what scully's reaction is because um, Fra- Frank Black, Frank Black's not the warmest of characters. It's got to be said. Um, so uh, yeah, but um, but Sc- but Scully's all over this guy. She reads his book, big fan, uh, and she's got the uh, yeah. <laughs> she's she's like a she's got that fan girl kind of reaction to him. But um, th- th- there's a, there's a little exchange between them. I just find hilarious, which is when. Uh, Jose, Jose Chung's explaining his reasons for taking on the book, despite being a skeptic. Which is uh, that he, one, it gives him the opportunity to write the the first in a new genre, <laughs> which is the the non-fiction science fiction, which is a bit of a mouthful. And then money, <laughs> and it's just the way he delivers that line, the way he builds up to it. It's like money. <laughs> like, yeah, at least he's at least he's truthful about his uh, motives. But um, yeah, it's, it's in this. That... Oh, sorry, I just got to say that from that moment on, he doesn't feel like a duplicitous character. He feels like, no. like almost like a sponge that's just soaking up information and yeah. holding what he wants, which he deems fit. Yeah, which, yeah. Is which is which is what he's there to do. He's been yeah. sent in by his publisher. Look, go in, do the research, write your book. Uh, they're expecting a particular result because, quite frankly, with everything that's going on, there's only one result that you can get, um, <laughs> so, um, which is uh, yeah, abduct- ab- abductees are bonkers, uh, you know. Uh, so, but out of this it's, conversation, it's, sorry, Brian, is it abductee or alien experience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so, but, but out of this conversation, uh, and this this is this is something that Morgan has done in every one of his episodes. Um, very early on, if not the pre-credit sequence, certainly the, the the one that comes immediately after, he sets out his theme. Uh, he, set, he says, "This this is what I'm exploring," and literally everything else that comes after in the episode is going to deal 
with this theme. And that theme is the uh, that truth is subjective. Um, so, so everything about this episode is all to do with the subjectivity of truth. The way that you know everybody's truth is different, even when it's all all comes from the same place, the same situation. Everybody's take on it is different. Um, it's it's yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so the, the, the fallibility of truth. Yes, the fallibility of truth because it's dependent on humans' ability to. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're unreliable narrators, basically. So Scully tells him how she got involved, uh, and that Chrissy had no memory. So we pick up when when Chrissy was returned after the abduction, uh, and she had no memory, but showed signs of being abused. Then, the night after being examined, received a visitation, <laughs> which which leads you to think, oh, it's going to be a, but it's not, no, it's, it's, it's Harold, Harold trying to chat at the window, he's like, so obviously at this point, Harold is prime suspect number one for having date raped this woman, um, so the, the last thing he should be doing is going round to her house, kind of throwing stones at the window. Uh, so, so when when her dad kind of sounds like he's going to come out, uh, Harold yeah. does a runner but gets picked up by the police, which <laughs> oh, <laughs> makes him look even more guilty. I again I like this scene because it plays with the what they're seeing or what they're believing mm. to see because she thinks she sees an mm. alien, it's a cat doll or a stuffed mm. toy. Uh, again, she thinks there's an alien outside. It's Harold, you know. It's just I kind of like that. We get the theme. We go straight into a visual representation of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Harold passes a lie detector test, saying he was abducted, then changes his mind when Mulder and Scully get there. Um, so we, we it's, it's it's kind of a bit of more transitionary scenes it's kind of thing it's like it's very just information dump kind of thing um but it, it, it basically it's leading us to uh Mulder questioning the girl Chrissy uh, and he believes that she's suffering from post traumatic abduction syndrome uh Mulder, <laughs> Mulder convinces her to undergo hypnosis something Scully shows great skepticism towards um Despite having undergone it herself, yeah, in the show. If so, obviously uh, back in Irresistible, uh, an episode that you absolutely adored, uh, she she did undergo some hypnosis. Um, now, whether her skepticism can be seen as a result of having gone through it, or whether it's just negligence on the writer's part for not picking up on the fact that she has gone through it, uh, it either way, it. It, it works. Um, no, uh, Scully is at heart an almost skeptic or a realist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah. could say within the thematics of this episode that she's chosen to warp the memory of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, yeah, again, it's like if you go back to that episode as well, it's there were no tangible results from it, I don't feel, that would... Uh, that would be really set in stone for Scully. Uh, I think that is an episode she could look back on and go, I was in a vulnerable place. I shouldn't have done the hypnosis thing because the stuff that came out of it could have come from anywhere. I could have just, yeah. Uh, so, interesting. But um <clears throat> interested to hear other people's takes on that. So Chung admits to being fascinated by the power of suggestion, of mere words. Um, which feeds into the next scene, uh, but also feeds into the the, the theme is exploring. Um, just again, like you said, the fallibility of the human brain to cope with the things it is seeing, hearing, thinking. Um, you know, it, it's just like yeah. just the fact that you can be told something and believe it. Um, you know, the ver- the very idea of hypnosis feeds into the idea that well yeah okay truth is subjective uh and 
Yeah. Maybe neither subjective or objective, but something in between where, you know, it's fed to us. Who knows? But so, yeah, as I say, it feeds into this hypnosis sequence, uh, which which is really well done because so we, we, we Chris is being hypnotized and she's having flashbacks to this alien abduction. She sees like aliens in the room, all kind of examining her. But then it's juxtaposed with the room she's actually in, in which we see Mulder, we see Scully, we see the hypnotist, we see the, the other agents. Um, so it's, it's like the, the, the position of the aliens in the room is, is, is the same as those people, suggesting that men could have just as easily been planting memories as they were stealing them because she says that, that they're stealing my memories mm-hmm. um you know she has this memory of of what she's seen there which is the aliens but because it's juxtaposed with the men in the room and the hypnotist and it's coming straight after what jose chung just said yeah that right there feeds into the idea that actually were they stealing the memories or were they planting them um yeah. which again you know the whole subjectivity thing and that yeah just the idea of truth being a ridiculous notion <laughs> in, in in many regards Absolutely. so mm, okay so uh, scully talks of stories of abduction being uh, so prevalent in society that it would be easy for the mind to concoct a story that sounds familiar because obviously Mulder's on the abduction train yes this is an abductee she's she's showing all the hallmarks she's everything she's saying is lining up and it's like yeah no but Mulder given the number of these stories that are out there on TV and this that and the other it really wouldn't take much for someone to have a traumatic experience and then their brain to concoct that story that sounds just like the one they heard on TV. So um, she, she, she sounds reasonable, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. as, as we've said before, Scully is always at her best, or the, 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 the Mulder and Scully dynamic is always at its best when both parties sound pretty reasonable. Um, I think for for the most part in this episode, Mulder sounds less reasonable, but it suits the episode because yeah. <laughs> because it's one. It's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. So okay, um, <clears throat> we get introduced to Detective Manners. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> an, an apt name for a man who bleepity bleep bleeps every other word in his sentence. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, which is Harold's. So fun. It's, mm. it's so fun, and and your mind kind of fills in the blanks, and even if it doesn't make sense, uh, you just yeah, it's such a good way of getting it across. Yeah, and, it, and again, it's, it's you, you you can get away with it because it's this is Scully telling the story, and mm. you know, like we we literally see her say like, of course he. He didn't say bleep. He actually and Jose Chung's like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> well, Harold speaks to Mulder about smoke, the smoking alien in the cell. So he's he's talking about his experience where they're in this cell on an on an alien ship, supposedly, um, which is just ridiculous because it just looks like prison bars. <laughs> it really is. Cages. Um, like cages. Yeah, yeah. Little animal cages, um, and and there's a there's so the two aliens that that were trying to abduct them at the start, they're in there with them. One of them's called Ray, <laughs> and uh, so one of them sat there just smoking like, like <laughs> yeah. And the, well, the other one's just like yeah, rocking. Like, this is not happening. This is not happening. Um, <clears throat> there's so many things in this episode that. Like this, this feels like an episode that you watch it, you have fun, and then you put it to one side, and then we get back to the serious stuff as the as the series progresses. But actually, there are so many ideas in this episode that come back to the actual mythology 
right. um, that one could almost say this is a mythology episode. Okay. It counts that while there's while there's no characters or you know events that kind of feed in, like you could take this out and you wouldn't know it was there. It does set up certain concepts that become very much a part of the of the lore of the show. It's almost like Darren Morgan wrote this, and then Chris Carter went, "You know what? That's genius. That's genius. <laughs> That's." That needs to actually be in it. So, yeah, there's stuff in here that in, in a couple of seasons' time will make up the, the primary basis for one of the season finales. Um, right. I, so we'll, I'll, I'll get into that a bit more as, as it kind of rears its head. But, uh, yeah, so Scully asks... Um, Harold, if he and Chrissy engaged in consensual sexual intercourse that night, and according to Harold, they did. Um, so <laughs> that leads Scully to thinking that all the alien stuff is just stress due to kids not mature enough to handle the experience of having sex for the first time. So yeah, so she's saying basically they've, they've had sex. It's it's really done done a number on them, and. Yeah. As, as a result, they've concocted all this stuff in their heads. Um, why they would both concoct the exact same story in their heads, I, I have no idea. But again, there's another episode that would play into that called Folia Dieu uh, later down the line. So <laughs> shared madness. But um, yeah, any anything to... i just enjoying the hell out of it. Really, at this point, I'm just... <laughs> Is, 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 you're simultaneously trying to just enjoy what's happening but mm. trying to guess how it's circumventing the whole lore and mythology and how it's going to lead into the next scene as well it's just it's so well done that it's just enjoyable you know what can I see mm. no. <laughs> so we, we, we get the we, we return to the roadside worker uh, from the opening of the episode. Uh, his, his name's Rocky and he says that he saw everything and wrote it down uh, but was warned by Men in Black and uh, yeah. the, the, men, the Men in Black uh, or the Man in Black at this point because you only see one played by um, Jesse, Ventura. Jesse Ventura that's it So played brilliantly I've got to say by Jesse Ventura. Wow. He's fantastic in this with his delivery absolutely fantastic um, so he, he rocks up and suggests that it's ridiculous to declare that seeing is believing when there's so much science around how the brain tricks us into seeing things that aren't there, which is actually a really bloody good point. <laughs> it's like, you know, this, this very idea that, you know, like, you know, because... So, the, the reason I like that line of dialogue as well is because it speaks volumes about faith. Because a lot of people say, you know, I won't believe it till I see it. Seeing is believing. And it's like, well, actually it's not. Because you could see something or believe you've seen something. And what you believe you've seen isn't actually... It, it, it's just, again, it's that subjectivity, that that kind of... What is truth? How is it defined? Through whose lens are we looking at? Um, you know, if you if you put a cup on a table, uh, a multicolored cup, and you you get someone over there to describe the cup, you get someone over there to describe the cup, you get someone over there to describe the cup, you come back with three different descriptions of the cup because they're all seeing it from a different angle, a different color, the lights hitting it in a different way. They're all talking about the same cup. The cup was true. The cup is no less false. The the testimonies are all true. You know what 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 they've seen is true. It's real, and yet all the testimonies are different because they've all seen it from a different perspective. Um, and and it, and it is that idea that seeing is believing. Yeah, but that guy over there didn't see the same thing you saw, and yet you both saw the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, 
I, I love the whole way it's described. That Jesse Ventura comes into this, and it's almost like aggressive truths he's delivering because he's so mm, yes, yeah, he, he's so articulate with what he's saying, but his body language and the style he's saying it is duplicitous and, <laughs> and argumentative at the same time. But everything he's saying is, you're like, yeah, he's just seen Venus. <laughs> you're like you're in your head, and, and even the way it's filmed, the way he pulls into the garage, it's so fast and sped up and, and otherworldly and just strange. It just gives you, um, it gives you a kind of curiosity. And I think one thing we haven't mentioned, which I think we should do, is the score in this episode, which really leans into the sort of comedic value and takes away a mm -hmm. lot of the threat. Because if you take that yeah. scene with Ventura and you put a serious, ominous score yes. on there. Yeah. It completely changes it. Uh, whereas yeah. we just now we've got it as something fun and quirky. Mm. Yeah, the tone is right. It's like it, it's it's well judged. Um, mm. So yeah, props props to Mark Snow on that one. <clears throat> but, uh, so Rocky's story. So he's written, <laughs> he's written the story down. Everything you saw. My description of it basically is that uh, Rocky's story reads like an L. Ron Hubbard novel written by a child. Um, <laughs> he is chosen by the second alien that we saw to go to the domain of Lord Kimboat. <laughs> just, and later on when we get the reference to the lava people, I'm just like, that's like Scientology stuff. I feel like that's a crack at Scientology before yes. it even became a thing to make a crack at Scientology. Uh, like this is this is years before Cruz was jumping on couches and stuff. <laughs> this accompanied with the, the, the city, um, conclusion or epilogue of his yeah. story yes. definitely leads that way, 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Big time. <laughs> Okay, so Chung says that Mulder surely can't believe it. <laughs> and we cut to Mulder and Scully with Scully saying, Mulder, you're nuts! <laughs> because Mulder is literally trying to justify it, literally trying to say that, okay, yeah, look, he seems a bit wacky, but you can't just dispense with everything he says because, you know, some of it seems wacky. There's... Yeah. Possible truths there between you know. Um. <laughs> I, I kind of love the scene where he's in, he's sitting with almost bated breath and reading this manuscript to her, and then like pausing mm -hmm. and waiting for her reaction as if to go. I mean, did you hear this? <laughs> <laughs> and then it comes to Chung going like, yeah, but the time I got to the sex orgy, I was out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Mulder wants Chrissy rehypnotized to see if what she remembers is really what she remembers. Uh, it turns out her me it's a crazy jump. Like, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it completely takes away the power of hypnotism because you're like, well, it didn't work right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it yeah. again to see if we get yeah, so results. Do it again, like see if we get a different result. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I didn't like the results we got the first time round, so let's do it again, see what yeah. happens. It's like it's like lucky dip, isn't it? Lucky dip hypnotism. <laughs> Alright. Um So her memory is similar to the last one that we got, except instead of a room full of aliens, it's a room full of military guys. Um oh, hang on. This is the one with the most hypnotist looking person I've ever seen in the planet. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about um uh oh what's his name oh man classic classic x-files character um i don't know if you remember him from he he was in um clyde brookman no i don't remember him. He, he was the sidekick who was brought in to clyde brookman um where you know where he looks yeah, no, he's, he's the same guy, same character. Right, same character. So it's, it's literally, character. what's his name? The stupendous Yappy. The stupendous. It's it's not him anyway. Not on this one. Um, so oh, no, that's like, on later on. That's yeah, that's later on the video because he's hosting yeah. the video cassette. But but he's yeah, he's in he's in um, 
we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, so, yeah, let's not deviate. <laughs> you know what we're like. Okay, so... Yeah, so she, she she sees a room full of military guys rather than um, a room full of aliens. And just as Mulder is ready to concede, the case doesn't have anything to do with aliens. Detective Manners comes in and informs them that a boy claims to have found a dead alien. <laughs> Which instantly makes Mulder go, <laughs> Okay! <laughs> Uh, and make Scully roll her eyes, obviously. Yeah. But um, we jump from there to Chung in one of his earlier interviews before he... Inter we're kind of time-jumping around the place. So before he went to see Scully, he went to see the <laughs> this lad. He's like yeah. the walking stereotype for your conspiracy theorist not... Um, he he looks like a gamer. <laughs> I'm sorry, gamer. <laughs> I just alienated half our audience. But what I mean to say is he looks... There's a mattress in the floor. There's a, a kid curtain pulled across the window. There's a, yeah. a sketch of a, a, a grey alien on the wall. Uh -huh. the place is and most importantly, he's wearing a space above and beyond T-shirt. Uh, I don't. I don't, don't know if you ever saw Space Above and Beyond. A few episodes. Right. Well, that well, that that was created by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who are obviously directors, write a writer director team on the X Files. So that that was a a little bit of a Chris Carter throwing them a bone, trying to give their 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 show a bit of a, a bit of a, an advertisement. But uh, yeah. So basically, he's a nerd. Let's face it. This is. This is 94, 95. Um, this was not a good time to be a nerd. It was, it was not a good time to be into comic books uh, or into science fiction, okay? It's like um, X-Files was just about starting to make it cool to be in science fiction. Um, You've got to go on another five years or so before... Before people started admitting in public that yes, I'm a sci-fi comic book nerd. Um, so, <laughs> are you going to say something? No, just it's just. Um, <laughs> I, I I'm quite happy to stay out of this conversation and not alien. Okay. Uh, no, but it's hey, just, yeah, it's hard. To I am one of those thing. nerds. Yeah, I am one of those nerds. Okay, I am that guy who back in the nineties didn't want to go out and admit it unless I knew the person who was in the room with me. Um, now, I don't care. Now it's fashionable, it's cool, it's it's okay. So, okay. Uh, the geek shall inherit the earth, as it is said. Uh, so, so Chung's interviewing this guy. He's wearing the Space Above and Beyond t-shirt. Um, and <laughs> he says he wants to be abducted. <laughs> Uh, because basically because life is just he, he doesn't want to get a job that that's what he said and i cracked up when he said that so i don't want to get a job <laughs> it just the delivery his deadpan delivery is just classic um so so he was looking so it, as as he's telling this story to jose chung he says he was looking for ufos out in the woods in this place where they're they're supposedly spotted and he stumbles on the very alien that Mulder and Scully have just been told some boy spotted. So yeah. Mulder and Scully rock up just as he trips over this alien. Um, and because he's out there with his video camera hoping to, to spot an, a, a UFO, he ends up kind of going along with them, taking his camera... And and what we get basically, essentially, is a um, poking fun at the the alien autopsy video that was very famously aired on the Fox Network back in the nineties. Well, just, just before we get to that, um, there's a, a lovely scene where it's playing out, and then you get Scully threatening the guy, you know, like you tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it comes back to Jose Chung recounting the story, and she's like, "He said what?" <laughs> like, 
like a gas because now we've got these conflicting stories fighting off in the mm-hmm. next few minutes, which is a, a nice yeah. idea where you're getting both point of views within this this one continuous tale that it's telling you of yeah. the autopsy. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. Right. No, no, it's okay. It's 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 a good point to make because it's like again when when you're dealing with the notion of truth, it's like it, did did this guy literally just totally can it intentionally conflate the story in order to give himself some importance and 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 make him you know get gain fame or whatever or as can be the case and i'm sure you've experienced this yourself um you know you meet someone for the first time you get a particular idea about them um and then as you get to know them that idea gets kind of squashed and you realize oh i was projecting um they weren't like that at all and it's just and it's chinese whispers in it you know it's just like he's told the story to jose chung jose chung is now telling the story to scully and it's like so even right there what 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 jose chung is telling her he could have added certain details he could have colored it a little bit so it's like it is that that thing of you know truth told you know Chinese whispers, uh, so yeah. Um, the autopsy. Yes, the autopsy. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, so <laughs> she says they let him view the autopsy, and that's when we get her showing this autopsy video to Jose Chung, which is presented. By the rather fabulous, stupendous Yappi. Uh, so he, he's, he's this psychic who refers to himself as the stupendous Yappi. Now, as I say, go back, watch um, Clyde Brookman, Clyde Brookman's Final Repose. Because this guy was pre- a pretty big part in it. If you remember, when, when they go to... He was the first psychic that the police called in before Clyde Brookman got involved. And if you remember, Mulder was in the room and this guy kind of like does that and goes up to him and he's like, you're giving off negative energy because you don't believe. And he wants him out of the room. So he accuses Mulder of being the sceptic in the room, which kind of flatly shows that this guy's full of it and has got no clue what he's doing. Um, So he makes a return here. Um, And I do believe he pops up in one other episode as well. Um, Not... after this, not one written by Darren Morgan, uh, but yeah. but a funny one nonetheless. So yeah, um, the stupendous Yappy, what a guy! <clears throat> he's he's got some serious Roger Moore eyebrows stuff going on. But um, so I love Scully's embarrassment. <laughs> she's showing this tape to uh, to Jose Chung, and she's just like, I'm so embarrassed, <laughs> and he can feel it just pouring out of her. Um, so, <clears throat> it turns out the alien uh, that was that yeah. that Scully was doing the autopsy on was actually a military man, Robert Valet. Uh, mm-hmm. So some military guys show up to take Valet's body, and Mulder tricks them into giving him the name of Valet's partner. Um, he's like, "Oh, Valet's partner, well, his partner's just here." He's like. What this, that dude's here? It's like, so they're like just as surprised as, as anything, yeah. uh, and then he's like, oh, "Oh, well, he was a few minutes ago." You know, it's like, so he's got the name of this guy. Um, <clears throat> yes, he must still be evil. That yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it, it it shows the quick wittedness of Mulder. The the, the you know he's, he's very sharp. Is Mulder? Mm-hmm. He can be like you know when he needs to get information, he he, he has his ways and means. So. Um, the alien autopsy videographer, the, the the space above and beyond guy, tells Chung that Men in Black took the video before Mulder came in and threatened him. So we get another <laughs> another little scene from the men. And because it's um, <clears throat> what's his face, he has to do the. Isn't he a re- is he a wrestler, Jesse Ventura? Yeah. yeah. Ventura. So yeah, because obviously when. You know, when he comes in and he knocks him out, he picks him up and does a poof on the knee yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> I love how they get so, the videotape out as well, Brian. It's like it's not, it's like they just <laughs> wrap the top off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
no respect for this guy's property whatsoever. Nope. Okay, so <clears throat> Mulder finds Lieutenant Jack Schaefer, who is the guy that the you know he he wormed the the name of out of the the other military guys. Finds Lieutenant Jack Schaefer walking naked in the road. He takes him to a diner. And Schaefer tells Mulder how they fake abductions, um, but that he was then abducted. Or was he? How can he be sure, given everything he's been party to? Then he's taken away by officers. And this is right here. This is, this is the thing that I was talking about, where if, if you look at what this guy's saying... <clears throat> He's saying the government fake abductions in order to create abductees who spout off all this these stories about their abductions, mm -hmm. which they then therefore look crazy, and therefore any talk about alien abduction just becomes absurd. Um, yeah. And that notion is literally... It, well, it's, it's a season finale later down the line. Right. Um, uh, and, and it's just like... I, I, I don't remember those particular ideas being presented on the show until now. Not in such a clearly defined... We, we get certain things in Nissai and 731 where Scully's being told one thing, Mulder's being told another, but you're kind of like, oh. But this is, this is literally a military guy who does the alien abduction stuff who's telling Mulder about it. This, is, this isn't some, like, you know, random. <laughs> this is someone who is party to the very thing that, you know, He's doing right, so. Can, one little thing that he's doing, I like that he's playing with the mashed potatoes like Richard Dreyfus in Yeah, just a great little yeah. touch while he's talking about alien and fake alien wow. uh, abductions yeah. mm. and perception. Just like since coming back, he doesn't know what's real. Like he got abducted by an alien. You know, he he was posing as an as an alien to do this abduction. And then he got abducted by an alien. But then he's he sat there thinking, but did I get abducted by an alien? Or did I get abducted by the government posing as another alien because they'd finished with me? And they needed to dispense with me in a in a crash that would then feed into the the wider stuff. So it's this it's this constant layer upon layer of subterfuge by the government that that by the time you get to the end of it could very well suggest that aliens don't exist at all <laughs> that in fact the that this 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 pursuit that Mulder has of this you know this this holy grail that he's pursuing it's all a lie created by the government to create or, people or, just like Mulder or that alien abductions are prevalent and the government are diffusing them by creating mm -hmm. these random and silly ones. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you an argument for yeah. both. Yes. Both, yeah, both sides. So it's just, but I, I just, I, I put the emphasis on that one because that's a very specific thing that, as I say, the, the show will go down that route at one point. Um, but uh, yeah, so very interesting ideas being presented. Uh, it's got to be, got to be said. Um, so. <clears throat> Where are we? Chung, to, I, I, I like that guy as well, by the way. The, 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 the one who plays Schaefer. I really like his performance in that diner sequence. He does, does a really good job. Uh, Chung tells Scully he interviewed the owner of the diner, who said that Schaefer was never there, but that Mulder came in and asked a bunch of questions while ordering a shed load of pie, sweet potato pie. And there's a brilliant quote which I posted on one of the X Files Facebook groups last night as soon as I heard it, just because it was just like it's been a long time since I'd seen this episode. I completely forgot about this quote, this this question that Mulder asks, and it just proper threw me off. Where he says, You ever found a metallic implant in your body? 
and then and then he does this thing where the, the guy the guy's like like that and then Mulder, Mulder looks at him and goes are you sure did you check everywhere <laughs> did you check everywhere as if the guy said well i had a look but i didn't find anything it's like are you sure did you check everywhere the dude hasn't checked Mulder. why would he check mm. everywhere he's not even checked it's just, it's just the way it's phrased it's just classic absolutely yeah, yeah i was in stitches yeah the pie thing's got to be a, a Twin Peaks nod as well, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah. You know, the yeah, yeah. Likes coffee and pie. It's, yeah. it's got to be. Yeah. Just Has that. to be, yeah. yeah. I, d- I think Morgan must be a fan. But, um, and again, it's just like, Jose Chung has interviewed this guy, this guy's told him a story, but where did the guy get the story? Was he threatened by the government? Was he paid off by the government? Uh, it, it, it's just like, was is Mulder's story not true? You know, it, it even calls it calls into question the validity of Mulder as a character. That you know, it does Mulder lie from time to time in order to prop up his uh, his crazy yeah. conspiracy theories. It's like that. You, that is an interpretation you could have if you choose to, because we don't know what the truth of that situation is. Did that did that incident take place? Because the only person who's saying it is is Mulder. And we've got mm-hmm. another eyewitness saying that didn't happen. So <laughs> the only person who could possibly confirm it is dead, as we get in, in a little while. Um, so Scully tells Chung about her loss of memory. Uh, the men in black, Alex Trebek, and the notion that some abductions are perpetrated by the government for the sake of ultimately discrediting the wider community of, ab- of abductees. And Mulder says the same about the men in black. So again, nice little, you know, Jesse Ventura rocks up with. Uh, do you know who Alex Trebek is? Uh, Jeopardy. Yes. So obviously the the um, I think I can't remember. I don't think it was Jeopardy actually. Uh, not not that Alex Trebek. Is wasn't it? A, 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 so, family. No, yeah. Yeah, basically, David Duchovny was on a game show at one point. Right. Um, okay. You know, before he be, before he became famous as an actor, he was on a game yeah. show as a contestant, and he lost. Um, and it, and it 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 it, it kind of became this thing back in the early nineties when when the X Files was taking off. Everyone kept on digging up that oh, he, he was on that game show and he lost. Um, and I can't remember if it was one that was hosted by Alex Trebek, and that's kind of why they brought him in, just basically as a as this weird kind of getting face to face and hey, that that's an in joke and a half. Um, mm-hmm. But I could just be pulling it out of my ass, quite frankly. So we'll move on, uh, but. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, but but the yeah that meeting between Jesse Ventura's Man in Black and and Mulder, where Mulder kind of throws everything he says right back at him, like, well, yeah, you're saying this stuff, but it's you know the it's it, people say that the Men in Black do operate the way they do in order to make it so that when anybody talks about them. It makes them sound like nut jobs. Um, so you know, which I really but, like that argument a, a lot. You know, mm. the, the, the way they their cadence and the way they act and carry themselves so absurd. And it is the way you see Ventura's character is so absurd that you wouldn't believe that character existed mm. anywhere other than this yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's not a stretch, is it, to believe that the government could uh, could do something like that where. You know, if, if we need to we need to intervene in a particular situation, so we're going to intervene in it in the most obscure, absurd way, so that when anybody, whenever any eyewitnesses talk about it, we don't. Our job's done. <laughs> All they've got to do is open their mouths, and and they just they're digging their own hole, kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when Scully woke up with Mulder in her room, uh, which gets a really nice reaction from Jose Chung, it must be said. Oh, he's like, oh. With no memory of the night before, Detective Manners calls to tell them they found their bleeping UFO. 
um, which turned out to be a downed military jet in which Schaefer was a casualty. And Mulder says they just want witnesses to their alibi. Um, which, yeah, again, it's like, have they killed their own people? Yeah. Um, just for the sake of making the, the, the first abduction seem even more preposterous? Um, it's, you know, it won't put it past them. Um, no. Which is quite insidious but yeah okay so scully almost apologizes for the lack of closure uh we we can see that chung is feeling a little bit frustrated because this is just a mess of a case in which nobody's story seems to kind of be in line with anybody else's uh chung types up his notes when Mulder comes to see him to ask him not to write the book for fear of making believers seem foolish uh which as, as a nice little moment, I think, because it shows where Mulder's at. Um, you know, he, he wants to be taken seriously. He's mm. it's, it's it's quite a vulnerable place, not just for Mulder, but for anyone really who who goes through something. And and, I, and I'm not just talking about alien abduction here, but this I think this scene in particular speaks into any kind of situation in which writers, um, media people haphazardly write about things. You know, you, you can you can you can write an article on on the experience of rape and come at and and not 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 approach it from the, the perspective of the victims. You know, you, you, like you, you could you can do a disservice to victims of rape. Uh, things like that, you know, we, you know, we get Chrissy in this, who, uh, you know, at one point it's debatable was, you know, was she yeah. sexually abused or, or is it abduction? And it's just, I feel like Mulder here, he, you know, he's making the case for abductees, but you can just as easily flip that and say, well, okay, what about, you know, victims of rape, what, victims of any crime? What about people who, you know, even more so back in the early nineties, you know, like. You, if you're asked to go to court to testify about a particular thing, some people wouldn't because certain stigma, this, that, and the other, and it's like, and 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 it's, you can put that down a lot to media representation and, and things like that. So, it's it's actually quite a powerful scene if you if you look at it from what, where Mulder's coming from and apply it to all manner of other things. Um, but uh, unfortunately, yeah. Chung writes his book anyway, irrespective of what Mulder says. Uh, speaking of each character in such a way as to make them all seem somewhat pathetic. Even Scully, like Scully's sat there writing the book, and even she's like, I, I feel like she's been let down by her hero. You know, they yeah. they say ne never meet your never meet your heroes, never meet your idols, because and I feel like this is the moment she's reading the book, and she's like. This is how he sees me. This, this, this is what he got from me when we met. This is just like, come on, man. <laughs> so, um, and 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 yeah, we we see like Rocky leading his Scientology meetings and <laughs> Harold. Yeah. Old cult. <laughs> <laughs> we got Harold still being alone, looking for love. Uh, it's just yeah, so. I love that Basically, the... with Christy and, and Harold where she's trying to save the planet and he's like, I still love you. And she's just like, oh, <laughs> men. <laughs> <laughs> All you think about is love. So, yeah. uh, so the problem of eyewitness accounts is the subjectivity of truth, which makes us all alone as we only have our own understanding or lens with which to see the world. That was kind of my sum up. I, I, that was obviously not part of the episode, but yeah, that, that's, that was my sum up of the episode. So I'll, I'll just go into it. Um, mm -hmm. that basically, that, that, that's how I sum it up, is that the problem of eyewitness accounts is the subjectivity of truth, which makes us all alone as we only have our own understanding or lens with which to see the world. 
Um, which, again, as I say, goes back to that analogy of the glass. We're all seeing the same thing, but we're all seeing it differently. And that, that can actually be quite a lonely experience. Um, that that's, that's you know we, we, we're all on this rock together and stuff and, and, and we have love and we have connection and this that and the other but the one that's that's the one thing we can never get around is that any situation we're in we can only ever see it from our own perspective and that kind of isolates us from everyone else so which 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 calls us to accept each other as well in that regard it's it's a very if you want to look at it in those terms, the episode is almost a call to be more accepting for, of everyone because actually somebody might have seen the same thing you've seen, but they've just seen it differently. Um, and we, we can't understand each other as a result, even though we've seen the same thing. So I, I just, it's a very complex, very beautiful episode, as we've become accustomed to from Morgan. It's perfect writing. The dude is a genius. I've said it before, I'll say it again, I don't understand why this guy hasn't written more stuff. I don't understand why he hasn't been writing movie screenplays. Maybe he's tried and the studios just don't get it, I don't know. But this dude should be a household name as far as writers go. Five yeah. out of five from me. Uh, personally, I think the ethos of this episode is that we're all unwitting liars in our own <laughs> twisted narratives, <laughs> skewed by our own perspectives. Um, mm. We just make up the, the story that fits and best portrays our own selves. Uh, truth be damned, um, it's wonderfully astute, it's hilarious, it is so layered that it, you'd really have to watch it several times to unpick everything from it. Mm. Yeah. This is not only my favourite Dan Morgan episode that he's done, I believe it's the best episode of the X-Files that I have seen thus far. Wow, okay. Um, and and is entirely <laughs> my kind of thing. Two and a half mm -hmm. out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it's a five out of five. It's oh. tremendous. Oh. Please do me a favour, though, before we get to our top five, bottom five video for the end of this season, which we're not that far off nope, now. Not. Please do me a favour before we do that video. Go and watch... Um, Clive Brookman's Cl Cl Yeah. Go and watch Clive Brookman's <laughs> Final Repose again. Because you, you couldn't even remember that the stupendous Yappy was in there. So to just go and watch it again. While, while Jose Chung is fresh in your mind... Go and watch that one uh, before you make your decision, because I, I, I both five star episodes. I can understand anyone going either way, but for me personally, I just I veer more towards. I think if if, if, if you know if I've got a choice, I'm going to stick one on. I'm going I'm tend to going to lean to uh, to that one. So, but uh, yeah, there we go. Tremendous. Okay, so um, from a five-star episode, we're going to go on to episode 21, which is Avatar. And tell us a little bit about that. How is it regarded? Um, I would say it's regarded reasonably well. Um, it has... It, it's one of the first episodes that sent a genuine shiver down my spine. There's there's a particular moment in it, um, and if you've seen the film uh, Don't Look Now by Nicholas Rogue, it's quite heavily influenced by that, um, and that and the moment that I'm speaking of kind of sends shivers down my spine in, in, in a very similar way to a particular moment in that film. Uh, it is Skinner-centric. So it, it is a Skinner episode. Um, I think it's. I, I, I think it's. I think people are fairly favourable to it. I think particularly fans of Skinner are very favourable to it. I, I certainly don't think it's a bad episode. Uh, I'm I'm a bit hazy on it right now, uh, but I I think I think we'll enjoy it. I think I think it'll come out pretty decent. Don't quote me on that, but okay. We'll see next week when we come back to talk about. Avatar. Um, as always, we'd love for you to review this podcast if you're listening to that or on the YouTube channel. We'd love you to subscribe and like as well. And if you're 
uh, only on one of those, jump on the other one. You can actually see us in, in our crazy way of trying to explain things visually. And if you haven't got us in your earbuds, then you should get us in there as well. Yeah. yeah, and if you really, if you really love what you're you're watching or listening to, share it. Share a link. Let other mm. other fans know as well. You know, go go on the go on the Facebook groups, the X Files Facebook groups. Go and share a link to our to our show so that other people can hear it, find out about us. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, yeah, but hang on. Yeah. Thanks for listening, watching. We will see you next week for episode twenty one of season three. Goodbye. You've been listening to the X-Files Revisited. Please join us next time when we dissect another episode of this classic series. If you like what you've been listening to, please don't forget to click subscribe and also leave a rating and a review. It really does help us to get seen. If you'd like to hear or see more from Graham, please visit Man V Film on YouTube. Likewise, if you'd like to hear or see more from Brian, then please head over to Brian Lomax Movie Talk, also on YouTube. All that's left for us to do is to thank you for listening. And until next time, trust no one.